You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road in Hillsboro, North Carolina. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. Good morning. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? I'm just so, uh, so thankful for the opportunity to come together and worship uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with brothers and sisters in Christ, the encouragement that comes through that. And that's all right. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to get you to go ahead and open your Bibles, and I'm going to share a couple of thoughts with you while you're doing that. To 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading verses 13 through 17, and we're going to focus mainly on verse 15 today. Uh, as we talk, uh, continue in the series, as Pastor Bob's already mentioned, tell someone. So he already gave us a, an idea of where we've been and where we're heading. So uh, we're continuing in, in exploring what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus Christ to be able to be prepared and equipped to share our faith with the people that we come in contact with. And as I mentioned last time, I preached the, the whenever and wherever that is. Great Commission tells us to go as you're going. It, uh, it answers that question because there are opportunities every day, everywhere we go, for us to encounter people who need the love of Jesus Christ and for us to have the opportunity to share the hope that's within us. So uh, this week we're continuing to talk about how, and uh, last week I know Pastor Scott touched on sharing your story, what that looks like. I hope that you are encouraged to think through what your story is. Do you, one question I have for you is do you actually have a story? If someone were to ask you the hope that's within you, do you have a story to tell? Is there something that has happened in your life where you have come to the point of the realization of the desperate need you have for forgiveness, for grace, and you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? That is where your story begins. Now, you have a story to tell before that, but that's where real life begins, and that's the hope that we need to be able to share with the people who are all around us, people who are dying on their way to hell unless they are rescued by grace and brought into the family of God. God has given us the opportunity to be a part of that process. So as we look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 and verses 13 through 17, uh, I'm going to just ask you to stand if you're able as we honor the reading and the hearing of God's Word. And uh, before I actually read it, I would like for us to, to pray first and just seek the Lord, that he would open our hearts and minds to understand what his word has to say to us today. So if you'll join me as we pray. Father, we pause right now in your presence because we acknowledge and realize the desperate need that we have for your grace. Lord, we, we are thankful that you have not left us to our own devices, to our own understanding, but you have poured your grace out upon us. You have given us, Lord, your, your spirit. You have given us uh, the ability to understand your word and what it is that you want to teach us and show us. And we know that it comes from your Holy Spirit. It is not something that we can do on our own. It is something that is supernatural. So we pray, God, right now, as we uh, are in your presence, as we continue in your presence, as we continue in worship, Father, that you would just lay us open. I pray that you would open our minds, our hearts, our very souls, Lord, to understand 
what your word has to say to us today, what your spirit wants to do, do in us and through us today. And Lord, may we respond. May we be found faithful. May we not quench the spirit. We pray for freedom of your spirit to work in the hearts of your people here today and even those who may not know you, Lord, that you would quicken and awaken the spirits of those who are spiritually dead. Bring them to life. Lord, that we may glorify our Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the way you work in us and we pray the blessing of your word today upon us as we encounter it, Lord, that you would just work in it, through it, and speak to us today. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as you continue to stand in First Peter, I threw a curveball at you because usually we pray and then you sit down, right? So now we're going to read the word and then you can sit down. So First Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a conscience so that when you are slandered, excuse me, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Now you may be seated. All right, so just as we, uh, as we look at this passage here, just to give you some context of the passage that we're looking at so that you can understand the depth of what Peter is writing and saying here, we understand that this book, written by Peter, was written about 64 A.D., and, and deep, hard persecution has come to believers. And so Peter is writing here to believers, those who are going through difficulty, persecution, hardship to encourage them as they suffer for Christ to persevere and remember the hope that's within them. So the context of the whole book uh, is written to suffering Christians, persecuted Christians for their encouragement. Time and again throughout the book, Peter reminds them of not only who they are, but whose they are. And I just want to touch on a couple of verses in the first couple of chapters, just to get, give us a running start into chapter three. But uh, you see in chapter one, verses three through seven, so we're still in First Peter, just look back towards chapter one and verses three through seven for just a moment as he, as he starts off this, this letter to believers. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold and perishes, uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he's reminding them here, starting them off to understand the gospel and who they are and what they believed and who they are in Christ. 
And then he goes on in, uh, cha- in chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, to remind them that they're set apart and they're holy, starting in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So we understand that that they are not only in Christ because of what he has done for them, they are called to be set apart, holy for God. And then in chapter 2, verse 9, they have a purpose and a reason for this as well. We love this passage, but it, it helps us understand who we are in Christ in uh, chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is an amazing truth for us as followers of Christ. We have been called out of darkness into the light. Peter here is just walking through time and again of reminding these Christians, these followers of Christ, of who they are, the glory of what God's grace looks like, the amazing love that he has shown to them because as they walk through persecution, they're going to need this encouragement. They're going to need this reminder so that they can persevere and do what it is that God's called them to do. And he finishes up chapter 2 and starts in in chapter 3 with this same reminder over and over again that's going to affect the relationships that they have with other people. We see the relationships that they have with with authority and how they should relate to authority, relationships between husbands and wives and how husbands and wives should interact with each other based on who they are in Christ. So as we move into this passage that we have for for us today in chapter 3, in verse 15 specifically, the tone has already been set. And it's important for us to understand that tone so that we can process this passage appropriately and understand how it is that we are able to share our faith and tell others about Jesus and the hope that's within us. So the tone that's set is in the face of difficulty, pain, suffering, persecution, you need to remember these truths. You need to remember who you are and not only show your faith in the way that you live it out, but also share your faith in the words that you use. And both of those are important as we consider how do we tell someone? How do we share the gospel? Some people may say, well, I'll share the gospel and let people know I'm a Christian by the way I act. Yes, you should do that, but that's not all you should do. We also need to tell people with words what the gospel is of the reason and the hope that's within us. It's both. We need to live it. We need to talk it. It's not both separate. It's both together. So we need, that's what we need to do as followers of Christ. Both of these issues, words and actions, are both important. But how is this possible? So that's what our study today is going to be about. How to share the gospel. How is this possible? We're going to study verse 15. And if you notice in your bulletin, the verse is actually the outline. So my outline today, this, if you look at it, I know people have different uh, translations. The one we're using specifically for the outline is ESV. So there might be a couple of words that are a little bit different, but obviously mean the same thing. So we're going to start off in uh, verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord, as holy. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Another way to say this and, uh, is to know him. We need to, to know and understand not only who he is, 
but that we need to know him personally in that we have this relationship with him where he has been set apart in our own hearts as holy. He is Christ. When, uh, when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, he replied, and, and we know uh, this verse very well, is something that is at the foundation, really, of who we are as followers of Christ, the most important commandment, and it's recorded in Matthew 22, verse 37, but his response directly to that question was what? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, every part of who you are. Uh, it's all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. It infiltrates every aspect of your life, it, it, every fiber of who you are as a follower of Christ. This is at the, the base level, the foundation of who we are in Christ and what it is going to take for us to be able to, to tell someone, to share our faith, the how. We have to know him first. We have to be walking in the truth of who he is. We have to understand who Christ is and know him and be known by him. Uh, we can't share what we don't possess. So in order for us to be able to share the gospel, to share the truth of God's love with somebody else, we need to know it. It needs to be part of who we are. We need to own it, believe it, walk in it. It's a reality in our lives. The impact this is going to make, if, if we don't possess it, we're going to, or even don't walk in it, we know it and understand it, we're going to have a lack of, of power, a lack of focus. And it's going to impact the way we communicate with people and the way we live our lives. Think about that. If we're not loving the Lord our God with everything that we are, there's going to be some half-heartedness things going on. And I think that's one of the things that's really an issue at the heart of of the, the church of Jesus Christ today is that we say we believe, and I do believe there are people who say they believe and they actually do, but really aren't walking in the power of what it means to be a son or a daughter of God in the power of his Holy Spirit. We're not walking and living in the truth of who we are. We're not loving him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. And people see that. People know that. People realize they see something that's authentic or they see something that's, that's fake or not real or not fully committed. And that affects our, all of our relationships, one of which, and this is where this starts, I actually just uh, was over at Southeastern the past two days working with a, a group of students who were interested in children's ministry. And one of the foundational passages of Scripture for children's ministry that we always talk about is Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. We know that as the Shema. As a matter of fact, when Jesus uh, quotes the greatest commandment. He is quoting the Shema, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Next part of it is what we just read. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So Jesus was giving this not only as instruction for us overall, but we always teach this and understand this in the role of the family. And so this is vital and foundational when we think about sharing the gospel, when we think about being able to tell someone, God has ordained it and made it such a way where the foundation of faith is in the family. So our first opportunity to look for how to share, when to share, should be in our own homes, should be with our families. We need to be make, making sure that we're taking the care and the time to pass the baton of faith on to the next generation. And parents, this is a challenge for all of us because 
to go back to this passage, we, we need to love the Lord God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. Does, do our children and our grandchildren see that in us? Or do they see something that is kind of half-hearted? I'll just commit to God when it's convenient for me, and then I'll just do my own thing at other times. This is a challenge for us. It's something that I hope that God just shows you. Are you really walking in that truth? And, and, and embrace that so that we can have that influence and the impact that we can on the next generation. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit too. It's not up to us to, to change somebody's heart. Somebody's response to the gospel is, uh, is their responsibility. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the work and draws them. So we, need to be, we just need to be faithful to share it. We need to be faithful to live it. We need to be faithful so that people see it in us and hear it coming out of our mouths as well. And then it's up to God and that person's response to the drawing of the Spirit in their lives, whether they actually get saved or not. But we do have a responsibility in this as we prepare our own hearts of how do we share the gospel. So we live it out in front of our families, we live it out in front of our coworkers, and we live it out in front of everybody that God puts in our sphere of influence. So this is foundational in our ability to share, and it leads to the next point. Number two, always being prepared or ready to make a defense or to give an answer or to explain, as some translations may say, to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Another way to say this one is to, to grow in him. So we know him, and then we're gonna grow in him. So we live in a way, we live our lives in a way that's distinctive. It's different. So the reality is if you really, truly believe something to be true, it's going to impact the way that you live. It's going to, something's going to be different about you or the way you respond to things. To go back to the context of this passage here, even in persecution, suffering, difficulty, do you realize that that's one of the ways that God actually opens doors for you to be able to tell someone, for the gospel to be able to be shared? Sometimes we we think pain and suffering is something that we don't want to have. Hey, I'll be honest with you. None of us really want it, right? The reality is difficult things come, and, and we just, this, a lot of what we do in our prayer requests, the way we pray with each other and pray for each other, is that God just please take this away. Heal this person. Remove this difficulty. And there's nothing wrong with praying in that way. But I think sometimes we're missing Sometimes the point, sometimes the opportunity. Maybe a, uh, not a better prayer necessarily, but another way to pray through that is to say, God, this difficulty, this sickness, you, you have a purpose and a plan in it. God, help me. Give me the grace to embrace it and to see you working through it so that I might have the opportunity to share the hope and the faith that's within me. Because you're going to find yourself in places sometimes where I've got nothing to say other than it's just Jesus. He's the one. He's the reason that I'm able to handle this situation this way. I've seen it when I've been in hospital rooms with people. And some of you are actually sitting in this room right now. And I know that as you, and I'm, I'm going to make examples of different things at different times. And I'm not going to call any names out because I don't want to elevate anybody above anybody else. But there are people in this room who I know when they've been walking through very difficult health issues or family deaths in families, 
that there is something that happens when people come and they see the difficulty they're going through and they respond by pointing people to the, the grace that Jesus has given them to be able to be sustained through the situation. So I want to offer this as a word of encouragement to each of you as well. See, a lot of times we, we just, we get buried under the weight of the difficulty and the, we, we, we think about persecution. It looked different then than it does now, but the reality is we do have difficult things in our lives and I'm not going to minimize that. Some of you sitting in this room are going through struggles right now and I know there's, there's issues. I literally know that there's a couple of families in here who've gone through deaths in the past week. There are a couple of families in here who are having difficulty with children. I know there's families in here who have sickness in their families. There's a lot of struggles in this room right now in families. So I want to encourage you today that, you know what, God knows your struggle. God knows your difficulty. And God may choose to remove it. God may choose to, to continue to let you walk in it. But our God, our powerful God, who will give you strength and give you grace to be able to walk in it. He will give you what you need to be able to, to walk in it in such a way that somebody might actually come up to you and say, how in the world are you able to, to handle this situation? Open door. Open door. What are you going to say when, when that happens? Thank you. You know, I just, I just do the best I can. Point them to Jesus. Say, I I don't know. I don't know how it happens other than, you know what? It's like the blind man who said, <laughs> all I know is he made me see, right? So you have a story to tell, and you have the ability to be able to point people to Christ. I had a very simple thing happen to me about two weeks ago, right after I preached. I was over at the hospital uh, visiting a couple of people uh, who were there, who were there, and as I was leaving, I'd actually just preached that Sunday, and I was God's stirring your heart, you know, when you're, when you're preparing for something, God makes you work through it and, and in your own heart before you're able to stand in front of anybody, anybody else. So I, I was leaving, and I got on the elevator, and these, uh, these four ladies got on the elevator with me, and they, were, they didn't know where to go. This, I said, well, where are you trying to go? Trying to go to the, our car, which is over in the parking deck. This is over at Duke. And uh, so they said, do we go to the first floor? I said, well, you might want to go down to the tunnel. So I, I hit T, walked down to the tunnel. They got off, and they just started. <laughs> Which way do I go now? I can tell some of you have been over there. So I just said, well, you know, if you go down, here's the tunnel over here. Just follow me. I'll, I'll kind of start you off, and then you can uh, make your way down. And they were talking, having a good time. So that, I could tell they were moving in the right direction. So I went ahead and walked ahead, and I got down to the place where you pay, you know, pay before you get to your car. So I put it in the machine, paid for it. I'm blessed as a pastor to have a little card I can scan, you know. So I, I scanned it, and it pays for it. And then, so as I turned to walk away, I, they're, they're making their way down, and they're just talking, and they're kind of oblivious to the, and I said, uh, do you guys have a ticket for your car? Yeah. I said, well, it's easier if you pay for it here. Otherwise, you're going to have to stop in the deck, and then you got to get out of your car and all this. So they walked over, and she's lady's like, this is nice. Thank you for your help. And I said, sure. Do you mind if I bless you? Uh, sure. So they I put their card in. I scanned it. Of course, it was easy. I didn't, you know, it was free for me, so I can't take too much credit for that. <laughs> but so I paid for their ticket in a way. And then I said, um, I just turned around and the lady said, you're, you're so kind. And one of these ladies just came up and just gave me this big old bear hug, you know. And, um, and so I said, thank you, you know. And the little lady came up and gave me a hug, and, and they all four were standing there just looking at me, going like, who is this guy? And I said, look, 
Ladies, let me, I just need, I just have to tell you right now, I mean, if it was just me in my flesh, who I used to be, I would have walked right past you, went to my car, and went home. Never would have given you a second thought. But I just want you to know what prompted me to even stop or offer was Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I love him, and, and as a result, you know, I see people and, and, and love people too. So I just want you to know the hope that's within me is, and the reason I do the things like that is because, because of Jesus. And I, and I was able to share very briefly the hope that was within me with these ladies. And, and so it's like Scott, I think he shared the idea of uh, slowing down and looking, realizing that there's people all around you that, that you need to be aware of. And we have opportunities around us every day like that just to, to be able to plant a seed, to offer some hope to people. And I'm sure those people, there's a reason they're at the hospital. They were probably having a difficult day as well. So, so something in that encounter just opened them up and prepared them to be able to receive and hear about who Jesus is. Um, man, I just went, and I, I have no idea where I'm on this outline. But, <laughs> so, but the second thing is that we're prepared and that we, that we do make a defense. Now, one of the things in this is that we, we realize that we're not here to win an argument, okay? So that's why the next part's gonna be important as well. It's not up to us to argue somebody into heaven. You know, we, the, the defense aspect is to be able to share the hope and be ready and that we are able to do it with gentleness and respect. So we need to be ready and willing to share the truth, but make sure that we're doing it with the, the right heart. So as we think about this aspect of gentleness and respect, we need to act like him. So we need to know him, we need to grow in him, and then we need to act like him. We're talking about Jesus here, obviously, but we do it, we share the gospel, we share the hope that's within us with gentleness and respect. See, very often when we do, when we're, we're in this encounter in some way, whether it's verbally, whether it's on Facebook or wherever it is, a lot of times the way we come across as Christians, as people who desire to share our faith, is like we are trying to win an argument. And sometimes we come across as, across as uh, condescending and judgmental, and we lack true care and concern for the people that we're actually sharing with. You know, Pastor Bob hit this strong and very well in the first message about this, that do we really care about people like Jesus does? Because this, this is going to be foundational as well in, in not only the motivation to share, but the way that we share. So we really understand the grace of God and the forgiveness that's been part of our lives, then, then we're also going to be willing and open to, to share that grace and that understanding and that love with other people in gentleness and respect. So, you know, as I kind of consider all of these pieces in the, the outline from verse 15 that we just talked about, there, there's another piece that I want to make sure that we hit on that I think is very important. And this is the idea of boldness. That we, I think very often what happens is we hesitate or we don't step into a situation because we're not depending on him. We don't have the boldness, the courage that we need to actually step into a situation and point people to Christ for whatever reason. A lot of times it's fear. A lot of times it's fear of man. We're worried about what people are gonna think what people are going to say, that we're going to seem foolish. You know what? Sometimes we need to appear foolish. 
It's okay to appear foolish sometimes. That may sound weird, but the reality is, as we think about what Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 24, this one wasn't on your outline, your notes, so 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 24, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we need to make sure we understand that sometimes there are going to be encounters, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Some, sometimes people are just going to look at you and go like, man, what in the world are you talking about? You really believe that? Are you crazy? You know, look at all what science proves and look at what some people are just going to have that response. And sometimes that's what we're afraid of. You know why we're afraid of it? Because we've made uh, man more important than God in our lives. We have more of a fear of man than we do a, a healthy respect, fear, and awe of God. So sometimes we are going to be received as looking foolish, and that's okay. The rest of that passage says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jesus, excuse me, sorry, back up, scratch that. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. This is where the power is found. This is where the answer is found. This is why we need to verbally share. This is why we need to make sure that when people see the hope that's within us and even ask that we are able to express the gospel. We are able to share the truth that's within us. And we are able to say, the, uh, talk about Christ crucified and the resurrection. That is where the power is found. That is where when the Holy Spirit is working, that he, the Holy Spirit will use that to draw the person to the person who is not responding. It'll seem like foolishness. But the reality is this is foundational to what we need to share. Actions, words, both working together. Now, I want to use uh, Acts chapter 4 as I, I think the Bible gives us some of the most powerful and beautiful illustrations of some of the things that we talk about than anything I can come up with to talk about what's going on in my life today. So uh, Acts chapter 4, and the context of Acts chapter 4 is uh, Peter, John are before the religious leaders in the Sanhedrin. Now, Obviously, the passage we just read and worked through is, is Peter, all right? He wrote that. This is 30 years earlier in Peter's life as he and John are standing before the Sanhedrin and uh, some persecution, some difficulty is going on in their lives. And I want you to, I'm going to read it. I think in your bulletin, I've pulled certain verses out. I'm just going to read it, all right? We're going to let the, the Word of God speak to us as I read through chapter four, and I want you to listen for the situation they were in and that way, the way they responded to that situation, and then we're going to identify just a couple of things as we 
move toward the end here of how we can too walk in the truth of the gospel with boldness and to be able to honor God with our response to the situations that we deal with. All right, so Acts chapter 4. And as they, Peter and John, were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they're teaching, preaching, talking Jesus. All right, so they're letting people know who Jesus is and what he has done. And it annoyed people. And they arrested him and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. So God was working through them as the gospel was shared. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men which, by which we must be saved. Powerful testimony to not only the faith they had, but pointing to what they had done, pointing to who actually did it. It was because of the power of Jesus Christ working in and through them. With boldness and unashamedness, they, they proclaim this. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived what they, that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. This is one of the, one of the I love this passage. It's one of the greatest things that somebody can say about you. Even if they said, you know what, you're uneducated, or they put you down in some way. You know what, if they can say, man, but I can tell he's been with Jesus, that's a fantastic testimony. So that's who we need to be as followers of Christ. People need to see us and go like, that guy's been with Jesus. And, and just think about the power that's in that and the ability and the open door that we have to be able to point people to Christ. Verse 14, by, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So even people who have uh, opposite, when, when they see certain things happening, they're dumbfounded. They don't know what to say. They can't say anything. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that, they may be, that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
And that's our motivation, right? I mean, if you've truly seen, heard, understood, believed who Jesus is, what he's done for you, we can't help but speak about it. We can't help but to stand against the things that come, come against us and say, even though you tell me I can't do it, I gotta do it. It is so much a part of who I am and what I believe that I, I've just gotta tell somebody about it. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. And because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened, for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. All right. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and why do the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness, with boldness, with courage, doesn't mean in your face, offensive. It means gentleness and respect, but with courage, being willing to step into that situation and say, well, you know what? You may laugh at me. Uh, this may sound foolish, but the reality is I want to step into this with courage and say, it's because of Jesus that I'm able to stand through this trial. It's because of Jesus that I'm able to even be alive today. It's because of Jesus that I have life and I want to be able to share that with you. That's what we need today in order to tell someone. We don't need nothing wrong with a memorized outline, okay? So faith, uh, any of those things that you do, it's good to be equipped and prepared in that way. But we can't lose sight of the foundational truth of it's through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, through bold witnesses of God, that we're willing to stand in front of people even in the face of persecution and difficulty and be able to say it's because of Jesus. And people can see we've been with Jesus and then we'll be able to, we'd be able to verbally tell them about Jesus. And that's the way we tell someone. That's the way we share the gospel. So that's my charge to you. That's my charge to me. That's us as, a, as followers of Christ coming together that as we prepare and equip to continue to tell someone that we walk in the power of God, power of the Holy Spirit, and, and step into those opportunities when God opens the door to share the hope that's within us. Now, before I close, on the pews, in the middle, you'll see index cards on this end, and you'll see some towards this end and this end. All I want you to do, just take one and pass and pass them down. And you, you can choose to do this. You don't have to. But I, I want to I ask two things of you. First of all, 
You can, I'm going to tell you what to do, and you can choose to keep it, or you can choose to follow the instruction further. But put your name on it. And the thing I'm going to ask you, first of all, is are you in a place in your life right now, first of all, that you know who God is, you know what Jesus has done for you, you responded by faith to the message of the gospel, but you're somebody who would say, honestly, you know what I need? I need exactly what those early believers did. Even though they saw God working, they still were praying for boldness, for courage, to, to be able to share the gospel and tell someone, even though persecution and difficulty was there. Uh, if, if, you, if that's you, and if I had a card right now, I would, I would absolutely write this down. Uh, you can just write down boldness, all right? If you realize that this is something that you don't have, that you would like more of, and you realize that your need uh, for God to empower you and give you boldness to respond in these situations uh, by sharing your faith, just write down boldness. And the other thing that I would like for you to write down is somebody that's in your life, it could be a family member, friend, coworker, at least one name, maybe more, but at least focus on one name. Somebody who doesn't know Christ that you want God to give you boldness and give you opportunity to, to share the gospel through your actions and through your words. So just a name. Somebody that comes to your heart and mind that needs Jesus, that you can be praying for, and then if you choose to uh, give, give us, give me your card, give us as a staff your card. What, I'm, what I want to do, what I want to commit to do is to pray for you for boldness and also pray for the person that you have written down uh, that God would open their heart so that they could receive the truth of the gospel in their life. So uh, as, as we close this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, but here's the way I, I'm going to invite you to respond. First of all, if, you, if you've heard this message and you realize that, you know what, I, I've never come to a place in my life that I've responded by faith to the grace that's been extended to me. I hear this that you're talking about, but I, I've never trusted in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The truth of the gospel is in front of you. The, the, the free gift of salvation is offered to you. All you need to do is receive it and believe by faith what Jesus has done for you. If that's you today, the invitation is for you to respond by faith to the grace that's been extended to you and say yes to Jesus. Secondly, boldness. You desire boldness. You desire to be faithful to what God's called you to do. This altar will be open. You might want to come and just get on your face before God and pray, God, give me boldness. Give me, the opportunity is there. Let me see it, let me step into it, and let me share with the people around. You may be walking through difficulty right now, as I know many people in here are, and, and that gives you even more reason to just say, God, I need you desperately. Would you please give me the grace that I need to be able to walk through this situation that I'm in right now? Altar will be open for that. And if you just want to come and, and lay your card on the altar, and you can pray as you do that if you like, or you can just go back to your seat and pray. But anybody who would like for me, us, as a staff, 
to, to pray for you and pray for the people that you put on that card. You can lay that up here at the altar. If you don't, if you don't choose to do that and you just want to turn it in later, that's fine too. But I just want you to know that I, I want to commit to this. I, I believe in the power of God working in and through us. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that we need to get real and let God work in us and then that we have the opportunity to share the hope that's within us. All right, so however the Holy Spirit leads you to respond, I just encourage you to respond to that today. So if you'll go ahead and stand, and during this time, as God leads you, you respond as he does. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for your work in our lives. We thank you so much for the truth of the gospel. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.